and I. Uh... <laughs> God, okay. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. We did it. We did it. It took us four seasons. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of season four of One More Thing. Wow. It's been so long. <laughs> it's been a nice little hibernation. Yeah. We haven't really talked to you guys since the thingies at the beginning of the year. And the Kevin Hart episode. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Forgot about that. And we've been doing Posecast. Ugh, Posecast. Which, if you're not listening to, you, you've been missing out. Yeah. We're super excited. We have a... I think a really solid, great season planned. I agree. There's a lot of really good stuff coming up. Oh, fuck. This is our first official episode since August 27th. Wow. Almost a full year. Almost a full year, yeah. Thank you for bearing with us. We needed the time and (laughs) we're back better than ever. And I'm so excited to start. So why have we been on this break? Great question, me. So... (laughs) So our last official episode was August 27th of last year. And since then, I would say both of us have been through a lot. Yeah, it's been rough. It's been a rough couple of months for both of us. And so we decided to be open and transparent about all of it, or most of it, and talk to you today about mental health. Because that's really what's been going on for the last couple months is that we've both been struggling with our mental health and sort of trying to get back on our feet. I mean, at least this is all the way I've been feeling. So feel free to cut me off if you disagree. I feel like this is something that not to be too specific about things, but at least in the terms of our listeners, something that we've touched on a few times since all of the Leah Michelle stuff happened. Yes. And we realized that we have never really been transparent about ourselves personally with you guys since all of that stuff kind of happened. So this is like a check-in, update, personal episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a pretty personal episode, but our hope is that by sharing some of this stuff with you guys, we can really sort of like open up a conversation for you because... I feel like, you know, I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life. I never really had, like, influences who talked about it. I never really heard people talking about it. And so our hope is that with this, I know a lot of our listeners are younger, younger, now in TV land. (laughs) (laughs) Our hope is that this sort of, like, makes you guys feel like, oh, it's okay to talk about this stuff. And it's, like, fine to be dealing with this stuff. And it's, like... I know for me, a lot of the time, I feel like I'm the only person in the world dealing with this stuff because no one really talks about it. And so I make an effort to be as transparent about it as possible so that other people know that, like, they're not the only people going through it. And so, yeah, that's that's sort of the hope of this episode is that you guys feel like there are other people who get it. Sorry, I got distracted during that, not in a bad way, but I was looking at the mic and it was kind of the first time that I realized that, like, the mic is thousands of people that are listening to this and I couldn't stop thinking about that episode that we did. I don't know, it was maybe season one or two, the body issue episode. Yeah. And how many people reached out to us afterwards that were like, this is something that I went through as well. Yeah. And I felt like I was the only person that did so. And like, thank you for doing this. And it really like opened up a line of communication 
between us and you guys, the listeners. And I guess we're, without even noticing, trying to do that again Yeah. with this topic that means a lot to us that we've never really touched on. Yeah. So here we go. So yeah, here we go. Season four, baby. Coming in strong with a deep topic. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, we'll try to relate it to pop culture, but clearly this is more about us than... Yeah. This than is about the most important thing. Ourselves. Ourselves. <laughs> about you, but I listen to podcasts on my phone. I do in fact listen to them with my cellular device. And you know what else I do on my phone is I follow accounts on social media. What's your favorite account? The One More Thing Instagram account. Do you know what my favorite Twitter is? What's your favorite Twitter? The One More Thing Twitter account. It's the only reason I still have Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're already holding your phone to listen to this podcast, why not head on over to twitter.com and follow One More Thing with an A? because I was taken. (laughs) And if you're holding your phone still and you want to do something else, you can go over to Instagram and follow One More Thing with an A because I was taken. And then you can go to Facebook and follow One More Thing podcast and Letterboxd and follow One More Thing. I think that's it, right? We post a lot of stuff about the podcast specifically and also news that we're obsessed with. It should be in your close friends list. Like, I I want to see all y'all. All right. So basically, I have, for most of my life, struggled with three different mental health issues. The first one is obviously major depression, which is the clinical name for it. It's not just me being like, it's major. Uh, What's the thing where it's like something major? Is that the Sly and Xenon? What? Never mind. Disney Channel kids will know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Disney kids right in. So major depression is, has been like, it's like, I'm going from like least to most issue. So depression is always something that's sort of like underlying my other issues. And then second is schizoaffective disorder, which is like a minor form of schizophrenia, which is the thing I think is most important to talk about because I think people with schizophrenic tendencies sort of just get lumped in as like crazy. And then my like big number one problem is OCD. I'll sort of explain OCD and schizoaffective disorder a little bit more because they're they're not super well represented. So I think people probably don't know really what they are. I know a lot of people think OCD is just sort of like cleaning and organizing, which like it sort of is, but like look at my apartment. <laughs> my apartment is not clean. There is a cleaning kind, but I don't have it. Basically, OCD is literally in its mo- in its purest form it is obsessive thoughts and compulsive behaviors and the compulsive behaviors eradicate the obsessive thoughts so it's like the most classic example of it is like you might have a fear that you left the stove on when you leave the house and so you have to keep going back and checking that the stove is off which i've had before i mean we could go into like what my obsessions and my compulsions are but we don't have the time and then sch- my schizoaffective disorder is sort of a psychosis that I have that's like the way I describe it is basically like if you turn a radio on but it's not all the way on it's like staticky and then sometimes voices break through it Mm -hmm. that's sort of like what it sounds like when I haven't taken my medication that's sort of what's going on in my head at all times when I haven't taken my medication is just like this buzzing with voices popping up through it sometimes so those are like my two big things and then Like, unfortunately, the thing that has always happened since I was a kid is, like, once I'm medicated for, like, my big issues, underneath it is depression. And so I have to find other ways to deal with depression, aside from the, like, drug cocktail I'm on that helps. I don't want to, like, belittle it at all, but 
I'm on a lot of medication for psychiatric purposes. But so that's sort of like overview of like the last couple months, I sort of just like lost control of all my mental health issues. I was hospitalized for a while in the psychiatric ward at NYU Langone Hospital, which is amazing. And if you are ever feeling suicidal or considering psychiatric hospitalization and you live in New York, I really can't recommend NYU Langone enough because they are so amazing there. It was a really, really restful and helpful time in my life. That was at, when was that? Like December? Yeah, it was at the end of December. Yeah, end of December. Oh, right, because I was there on Christmas. Yeah. Leading up to that incident where I was hospitalized, I just had just completely lost control of everything, and I wasn't taking my medication as often as I need to, and so I'd sort of lost control there, and then since I got out, I have been taking my medication regularly, but the depression sort of has taken over, and I went through a period for a couple months where I was just, like, so depressed. It was, I was, like really having trouble even getting out of bed. And at the same time, it happened that I was fired from a job and then I was unemployed for like several months. So it all just sort of came at a really bad time. The reason I say at the same time that was happening is because I don't wanna make it sound like, oh, I was unemployed and that made me depressed because I have clinical depression. And so it's not like being unemployed made me depressed. I was unemployed, it made my depression worse, but I would have been depressed even if I was employed because I have since become employed and still been depressed. Can you explain depression? And when I say that... Okay. (laughs) I'm like, because I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I grew up in a household where if I ever went to my parents, and I love my parents dearly, but if if I ever went to them and I was like, I feel this way, I feel like I have depression, it would have never been considered as depression. It would have been like tossed into something else. So how would you explain that to somebody that that has never encountered a person that has like like clinical actual for real depression? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of people can think of a lot of people who don't know about depression think of it as like just being like really sad all the time. Yeah, because you see those commercials that are like my mom like walks around the house and is sad and, and, sad and, and then like she takes, she takes this medication and, and is suddenly, fine. Yeah, basically the way. I experience depression is like feeling completely alone and completely empty. And like, I feel like it's not like feeling really sad. It's like feeling like I have no emotions at all. Hmm. Um, And just feeling totally like, and just like exhausted. Like the best way I can describe it is empty and having like the absence of intense emotions. Mm -hmm. And it is sort of complicated for me by the fact that I have like this intense OCD as well. So a lot of it is like obsessive thinking anyway. And so it's like obsessive, like I wanna die, I wanna die, I wanna die, I wanna die like over and over in my head. But I think think depression in general is just sort of like emptiness and just feeling like heavy and like you can't do anything. And just like you can't get out of bed, you can't, you can't do anything because it's just not worth it. Like when you're at work and you're like, I need a mental health day. It's not necessarily, I need a day to just like chill and not do anything. It's like, I am unable to do these things. That's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I've taken mental health days, it's because I literally cannot get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I think of it as like recharging a lot. Like, just sort of needing to lie in bed and, like, recharge all my energy. Because it's, like, having no energy at all. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, I can't even... I can't stand up because I, like, standing up feels like a huge task that is, like, exhausting. Something that I really admire about our friendship 
is that I have very small and minor forms of those things. Like I think we've been together a couple of times where I'm like, my OCD means will cause me to do this. And you've never used the severity of the, all of your situations against mine. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. Like there've been days where we've had plans and stuff and I'm like, I just can't leave my apartment. And it's never been like, oh, well like, come on, mine is like, yeah. this is what I'm going through. And I, so I feel like without ever actually speaking about it, we've never held our situations or issues or whatever you want to call it against each other. Yeah. I feel like that's important in a friendship or like a relationship in general. Yeah. That it's not just like understanding that the other person has other things that are out of their control going on in their lives, but like... Understanding that everyone has something. Yeah. I used to be very like... When I was in college, I was very judgy about like people who sort of just like claimed to have anxiety, but it didn't seem to impact their lives at all. But it's like you never actually really know. Mm-hmm. how bad someone's anxiety is or how bad someone's depression. And I would be like, well, I couldn't get out of bed this morning. Like, what about them? And it would be like, well, it's fine. Like, they're, they have their thing. You have your thing. That It's different. How, how do you feel when, especially, like, we've seen lots of movies where there are mental health jokes or there's medication jokes or, like, things are said about depression and mental health in a, like... Not that everything has to be so serious, but, like, in a certain way. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that representation of it? I mean, I think it's very clear when someone who struggles with their mental health has written a joke about mental health versus when someone who doesn't has written a joke about it. Oh, okay. You know? Because, like, someone with depression joking about depression is really funny. But someone without depression joking about depression, like, you can tell. Because it feels, like, angry a little bit. Because I think I'm I can't I'm trying desperately to think of examples, but like well like Maria Bamford. Oh, that name sounds really familiar. I she like made Lady Dynamite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Lady Dynamite is a show about Maria Bamford, who I believe and I could be wrong here struggles with bipolar disorder, um, and she was hospitalized for a while and she had to move home and live with her parents and it's a show basically about her going through that and, and like coming out of it. And it has like past tense Maria before her nervous breakdown and like present tense Maria after her nervous breakdown. And the two storylines sort of like go together. And that to me is like the most accurate representation of mental health and mental illness I've ever seen. But it is like so funny and so wacky. I think a lot of people, if they saw it would be like, a lot of people who don't struggle with mental health would be like, well, this isn't funny. This isn't something to make fun of. But it's like, she's so clearly punching up and being like, yeah, this, it's like, it's stupid to be in a psych ward. Like, it's a crazy, it's a literally a crazy place to be. Like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Took you a second. A yeah, second. <laughs> there's that kind of humor. And then there's stuff like Black Mirror. And you know I have a lot of feelings about um, Bandersnatch. Mm-hmm. And how basically the whole thing about medication in Bandersnatch was like as soon as he stops taking his medication he's like free mm-hmm. and there's so many plot lines like that where it's like as soon as you stop taking the medication that that they give you then at last you'll be free yeah did you ever watch maniac no with, uh, emma Stone? no because i had a feeling it would be like that yeah there there was a moment in the pilot very early on it's like one of the first couple of scenes where, what's it, Jonah Hill, Hill is sitting... Beanie Feldstein's brother. Yeah. 
is uh, like sitting on a bench and the like street turns to popcorn and it's like very clear that he stopped taking his medication and, and that this character obviously has a lot going on. And that's, and I t- think I texted you and I was like, you probably shouldn't watch me. Yeah. I feel like you wouldn't like it. With my experience with what I have going on, I always can tell when I'm in it. And it's kind of not to make this comparison at all, but it's kind of like when I'm drunk, I know that I'm drunk. And uh-huh. there's a part of my brain that's like, that switches from like, okay, you're sober to your tipsy to like, you are drunk and you know that you're drunk. So uh, when when uh, my OCD or my depression like kicks in, I kind of know what's happening. Does that happen with you, or like, oh, are yeah. there are there things that that immediately you start doing when you realize that that's happening? Yeah, I was actually just talking to my therapist last week. I was like, yeah, it's been a hard week because I've been feeling like really isolated, and it's been hard to like get things done, and I've been tired all the time. And she was like, so you're having a depressive episode, and I was like. No, because I feel fine. And she was like, so you're starting a depressive episode. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. I'm at the beginning of one. Hmm. So, like, when I'm going into it, I don't notice it right away. But when it is happening, I know. Like, when I'm having a panic attack, I know I'm having a panic attack. But then the interesting... There's sort of, like, two... Like, when my OCD is really acting up, I know my OCD is acting up. Like, we've been together and my OCD has been acting up, and we we don't talk about it, but, like, we both know that it's happening. Mm-hmm. But what's weird is the, the times where I've been around you where your OCD acts up, you've also warned me in advance. Yeah. Like, you, you, you've sent text and been like, just so you know, like, this is what's happening. Like, don't freak out. And I've been like, all right. And then have kind of learned what to do in those situations and things like that, which yeah. I think is interesting that you're, you're able to, like, pull those things out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely know when my OCD is acting up. I sort of think of, the way I think of my mental health issues is that there's, like, me and then there's my brain. And my brain is the one with the issues and, like, I don't have the issues. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, whenever one of those things is acting up, I'm, like, my brain is, like, telling me these things. And I can feel, like, a very separate distinction, which is, like, a little bit of the schizoaffective disorder. But, like, I can feel a very distinct difference between, like, me and my brain. That's so enlightening for me. Really? (laughs) Because, like, how many times in, in our friendship have I said things like, but for my brain, can we do this? Yeah. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Wow. But then, interestingly, when my psychosis is acting up, I have no idea that that's what's happening. Oh, okay. Okay, so, like, to go back to my drunk metaphor. I think it's a good metaphor. When I... I feel weird about it because I don't want to equate, like, yeah, drinking and, yeah. and any of that with it's mental not a health. Choice. Yeah. But, like, when I'm drinking and I am drunk, I am unable to stop drinking. And it's not, I'm not talking about binge drinking, drinking or anything like that. But when the thought comes to my mind where, like, there's this little voice that's like, cool, you've, re- you've reached this, you're drunk. I, like, have stopped. I no longer have the ability to not pour another glass. Uh-huh. And not that I... I don't think I've ever blacked out or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that I'm, like, a heavy drinker. But is that something that happens? Do, like, do do you get to a point where even though you know what's going on, it, it is something in... Not involuntary, but you're unable to kind of punch through it and make your own decisions as your person versus the brain? Yeah, it's... 
I have one friend who I talk to about this like consistently who's like basically like my therapy friend who is the person I talk to about like mental health issues and when things are acting up they're like the person I text. I have sometimes said to them when things like that are going on I'm like I know this is happening but I can't stop it can you please just tell me this thing that will because one of my things that is like involved in my OCD and my psychosis is like the belief that people are talking about me because I have a lot of paranoia. Yeah. And so the belief that like all of my friends have like a secret network, network on Broadway, (laughs) (laughs) a secret like group text about me or like they're like conspiring with people. I I can't even really access it when I'm not in that state, Mm -hmm. but like the belief that my friends like have something have it out for me in some way Mm -hmm. and so i'll be like i know this isn't true but i cannot stop myself from thinking it and i can't stop myself from believing it interesting robert what do you do every tuesday night i change my work schedule around to make sure that i am available for fx's pose and you know what i do every wednesday what i record an episode of our new show pose cast <laughs> the unauthorized pose recap slash review show you know what i would like to authorize it do i have that authority yeah it's authorized authorized it is unofficially the, authorized <laughs> the unofficially authorized pose recap and review show and you know what we've heard from a lot of listeners that are like you know i really want to listen but i don't watch pose you know what watch pose super easy Easy. the episodes are usually under an hour sometimes over sometimes they're like an hour and a half (laughs) but you know that's just ryan murphy michelle collins of sirius xm all stars once called us ryan murphy aficionados is that how you say that aficionados yeah yeah And we would like to bring that to you in a whole new level. Yeah, and you can find it on iTunes and nowhere else. (laughs) (laughs) So what we decided to do for this episode is make a list of our top 10 mental health tips. Yes. Something you've mentioned already, tip number one, therapy. Therapy, yes. (laughs) Which I love that you wrote down, therapy, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, it's not really a mental health tip. But it also is a mental health tip just to be like every, I think everyone should be in therapy. Yeah. To be totally transparent, I do not have a therapist. Um, It's not because I don't want one. It's because I cannot afford it. (laughs) For someone who is considering therapy or it's always been an option, but like they're, they're too nervous for it or they don't think that it's for them. What was the deciding factor for you? Was like, was there one or is it something that was just always like, I'm going to do it? I've been in therapy since I was a kid. And then I just sort of like stuck with it because it was helpful. I stopped doing it for a while because my first therapist in New York was like old and didn't really get me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, sorry, Linda, but that was her name. (laughs) I, in my mind, I only have cinematic uh, like depictions of therapy. Yeah. So then a couple, I've never talked about this on the podcast. I'm not going to talk about it in detail because I'm not sure if anyone involved is a listener, but a couple years ago, I went through a really, really terrible uh, breakup basically. And I was like, oh, cool. I need to be in therapy again immediately. And so what I did was I, I knew that I needed someone who was like young and queer Hmm. or at least like well-versed in queer issues. So I started basically Googling like queer aligned therapists, NYC. And the, literally the first person who came up was my therapist's, my current therapist's website. And I was like, I clicked on her picture and she's like early thirties and she's like this like cool lesbian. And I was like, yes, this is like what I want. And so I emailed her and now I've been seeing her for coming up on 
three years. She's like an amazing therapist. She's so great. And she's based in Pittsburgh. So anyone in Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) So we Skype now. But yeah, I would say you have to think about what you want your therapist to be focused on. Like my therapist's, her focus is queer issues and like LGBTQ plus young people, which is what I am. And so I was like, yes, that's what I want. I know, surprise. (laughs) Like most therapists have websites now, which is super helpful because you can just Google like looking for a therapist and websites will pop up. And then I think the other thing to like keep in mind when you're looking for a therapist is sometimes you find the perfect one right away, like I did with my current therapist, but like sometimes you don't. And And even if the first three you try aren't the one for you, they're not gonna be mad if you stop going to them after one session. Hmm. Like no therapist, no good therapist will be like, well, why'd you stop coming to me? Because they they are trained to know that they are not the right therapist for every patient. The right therapist for everyone is out there and you just have to keep trying until you find them. Hmm. Because being in therapy with the right therapist for you is like life altering. So number two, try having at least two people to talk to. Yes. Finding those people is something that I had back home because back home I had like a very close-knit group of friends we all knew everything about each other but then as everybody does you grow up and <laughs> and right. and establish the rest of your life and yeah. get new friends and situations like that and especially in New York I feel like it's a hard place to correct me if I'm wrong when I say this make friends that yeah, aren't it's a very hard place to make friends yeah because you you essentially either have to date break up and stay friends work with other people and create friendships that way or like meet cute friends essentially where you're just like on the train and something happens and so finding those people that can not only be your friend but also someone that like you can reach out to is hard but I feel like we've both over time achieved that yeah I have in the past transparently not been good about having more than one friend to talk to just because one of the symptoms of my as I've mentioned one of my symptoms is like believing that I have no friends and that all my friends are like out to get me. So I've been like, I can only trust one, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's important also to make sure they're the right friends and friends who can handle things like that. And maybe it's not a friend, like maybe it's a parent. If you have a parent you can talk to, that's amazing. Like, that's awesome. My mom is someone I can talk to for me, which is great. Or like maybe it's, if you are still in school, like maybe it's a professor or a teacher or like just someone who's not being paid to listen to you. It's so important to have that, especially because I know I at least feel uncomfortable outside of my scheduled therapy sessions being like, oh my God, I'm like calling my therapist, you know? I've only ever done it once and it was when I got fired from my job and I emailed her and was like, I need an emergency session. I don't know how, I don't know how to tell when they're the right people, but like you just sort of know Mm -hmm. when you can bring it up. People who you can just like talk to about your mental health is so important. I agree with you so much, especially because with my, like, eating disorder stuff, it was not my friends. It was my friend's parent Uh who understood it the most. But going back to what you were just saying, with me, I don't have... You excluding, kind of. Like, I don't have one person that I can go to. It's kind of like all of my friends kind of own a different part of me. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Where I'm like, when I have an issue in my life with... A, I know that I can go to my friend that knows everything about that. And when I have an issue arises with something that aligns with like B, 
I have a different friend that like really understands that. And I feel like that's not not okay. No, I think that's great. You know what I mean? That it's not like I have one friend that is my like friend therapist. Yeah. It's like I have multiple friends who all take a part in my mental health in very different yeah. ways. And then I have friends that like know nothing about it and are truly just like my escapism friends. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or like when I hang out with them, it's not only because like I like them and like they're my friends besides the point, but I'm like, I know that when I'm with them, I will forget about A and B and C and like all of that stuff. So they're more like of a, like a, a refresher. I don't, I don't know how to word it so that no, it doesn't sound like I'm mean. using yeah. them, but like, I feel like that's something that you can do as well, or at least that's what works for me. Yeah. Number three, find a hobby that is calming for you. Yeah. What, what have you found? Um, nothing yet. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I remember you a, a while ago being like, I think I'm going to take up, for a while it was like, I'm going to start learning how to skateboard. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, and I did not do that. <laughs> I feel like when you came back, you were like, I'm going to take up like gardening maybe. And I was like, yeah, because like, they wanted us to garden in the hospital. <laughs> well, now you, I mean, you have a little bit of a like, I, patch yeah, of I have a little patch of garden outside, but I'm not allowed to touch it. You what? Yeah, it's not mine. Wow. So, like, what are things that you wish that you could I don't know. I'm still looking for, like, what calms me. Transparently, I have not found it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Things outside of the things that you normally do. Right. Because in my mind, I... Part of my New Year's resolution was to start reading more. And I was like, cool, that'll chill me out. But the problem with me doing that is I get so frustrated with the fact that I can't read fast enough. Yeah. That it ends up doing the opposite, which then makes me stop reading and then I never finish books. It's weird because for me, the calmest that I am and the most... Serene is not the right word because I'm still engaged, but... It's when I'm watching movies or I'm seeing theater and stuff yeah. like that. But that's something that I already do constantly. Exactly. Yeah. Like um, for me, listening to music calms me down. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's not a hobby. Because you have all of these playlists set up. For I like do. your different. Yeah. I have playlists set up for different like issue moods. Which I knew about. And then you were, when we had a very long discussion where I have Apple Music and Jay did not. Yeah. And Jay was going back and forth between Spotify and Apple Music. And I was like... With Apple Music, it's all in one place and you can just transfer everything. And you were like, well, what about my playlists? And I forgot that you have like, I'm in this sort of mood. So this is my collection of songs for that. Or like, I'm sad about this specific thing that I frequently get sad about. Do they match your mood or do they work against the mood? They try to pull me out of the mood. Like if I'm sad because I feel like I'm alone... It starts with like songs about being alone and then it goes into songs that are like, you're not alone. Hmm. I remember when we talked while you were at the NYU Langford. Langon. 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 <laughs> while you were at NYU Langon that you listened to all of the If Beale Street Could Talk Yeah, that was soundtrack. what I listened to constantly in the hospital. Did that kind of do the same thing as the playlists? Yeah. But that also is just like a very, that's just very calming music. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so are they like, okay, get ready for this. Are the playlists like Sleep by Max Richter? They are like Sleep by Max Richter. Oh, okay, great. Sleep by Max Richter is this like eight hour album that is supposed to transition you into sleep and then out of sleep yeah. and keep you in a deep sleep. Except for a song that happens about halfway through with this high pitched fucking flute. and it wakes me up every time. Yes, and I get so mad. <laughs> Number four, be brutally honest with yourself. Yeah. Basically what I mean by that is like, I think a lot of people know that they have mental health issues, but don't want to have them. You know, like, well, that's not, like, that's not me. I'm not, I'm fine. I don't have any mental health issues. Like, everything's fine with me. Um, And I think 
you have to be honest with yourself and be like, this is what makes me sad. This is what makes me anxious. Like, this is... And then you have to think, like, do I need a therapist? And the answer should usually be yes, because I think everyone needs a therapist. But, like, just really sitting down with yourself and being like, what is going on in my life that is making me feel this way? Could it be resolved in what ways? And then finding the ways to resolve it. And then once you have those finding coping mechanisms for yourself, even if they're not the things that you immediately think you want to do. And even if they're not like cool. What has that been for you? Well, just for me, it was like, I remember when I was a teenager being like, I really did not want to have OCD Mm -hmm. because I was, I, all I knew of it was like monk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's not me. I don't have OCD. Like, that's not cool. And I didn't want to go to therapy. And I just had to sort of be honest with myself and be like, yeah, I need therapy. And when I was first diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, definitely not. I don't have any schizophrenic tendencies. Like, I'm totally, I'm fine. Like, it's just OCD. And then I sort of had to sit down with myself and really, like, talk to myself about, like, yeah, maybe it's okay to feel this way. I can relate to that back with back back when I had an eating disorder. In high school, there was a big thing for me when I was kind of coming out of it and transitioning from like a size small to a size medium. There was a lot of like, no, like I cannot be a size medium. And then mm-hmm. once I accepted that, I felt a lot better in my clothing. Yeah. And then I kept that clothing for a very long time because I felt very safe in it. And I could feel myself, I could literally feel myself slipping back into my eating disorder when all of a sudden those clothes felt very big to me. And there was a lot of like push and pull mentally between like whether or not it's happening or not. And so, yeah, like, I guess that is something that's very important. I guess it also goes back to what you were talking about earlier, where your brain is kind of a separate entity entity than like who you are. Being like, what is going on with my brain? Yeah. Five. Remember that a lot of people have mental health issues and not you. Not just. Not just. <laughs> Remember that other people have issues, not you. You don't have any issues. I guess that it, I guess it's really important to realize that, like, I, I guess it's important in two different ways. I'm going to speak on your point. Yeah. One, that you're not, uh, it's dumb, but, like, that you're not alone and that you're not the first person to ever feel that way. Yeah. But then also that, like... To make space for the other people that, like, also have yeah. what you're going through. Is that what you mean? That I meant both of those, yeah. Look at me. So, you figured it out. <laughs> Need a therapist? Call me. Don't. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't. <laughs> Find a real therapist. Number six is make a schedule for yourself. That's something that really helped me in my most recent depression moment. Do you mean, like, journaling? Or do you mean more, like, literally, this is what's on my to-do list for today? I mean, literally, like... I will wake up at 9 a.m. At 9.30 a.m., I will take a shower. And then at 10 a.m., like, I'll go back to sleep. Even if it's, even if it's like, depressed things you're doing, just making a schedule and sticking to it feels so productive that it's, like, even if you do oh, okay. tiny things. Like, I remember one day my schedule was just, like, I'm going to wake up at 11. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to get back in bed and read. From 6 to 7, I'm going to clean one thing. And then at eight, I'm going to watch The Bachelor. And I cleaned one thing and I felt like so wildly productive that I was like, I'm cured, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's important that it doesn't have to be like... An intense schedule. Not at all. Not not necessarily that, but like, it doesn't need to be like a huge thing. Yeah. That can be like little things that are manageable and and accomplishable is not a word, but like... I think it is. That it's something tangible that you can do. That's manageable. I think that's what I mean. 
And you're right. I've never... I feel like I'm having a lot of epiphanies from this conversation <laughs> that, like, things that exist in my life are actually the real things. Yeah. That, like, if I'm, like, all I need to do today is empty the dishwasher, once I do that, I'm like, look at me. Yeah. Exactly. And then, so do different things every day. This is a huge one, I feel like. Because hmm. falling into a routine can really affect your depression. And so, for me, when I was depressed most recently, it was, like, even if it was, like, Monday I cleaned... Tuesday, I went on a walk. Wednesday, I just slept all day. The fact that I wasn't doing the same thing every day was so helpful because it made, it didn't feel like time was just slipping out of my grasp. Interesting. It felt like there were separate days. Oh, okay. So then after whatever is going on, you can look back at it and be like... Not even after, but during. Because like, if it's like every single day, all you do is sleep and go for a walk, mm -hmm. then it's like the days don't really feel distinct. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like a block of time is passing and you have no idea how much time has passed. And then all of a sudden it's five days later yeah. and it's like, gotcha. Next is get enough sleep. Do you mean get enough sleep health-wise where it's like, you should be getting X amount of hours of sleep every night? Or do you mean like, if you need to sleep for 14 hours, sleep for 14 hours? I mean, if you need to sleep for 14 hours, sleep for 14 hours. Hmm. Which I know this, I'm sure this is controversial. I'm sure therapists are being like, um, no. <laughs> but like, sometimes sleeping for 14 hours has like pulled me out of a depressive episode. Hmm. And some, like, sometimes you just need to spend the whole day in bed. And I think that, I think allowing yourself to be okay with that is a big step. Do you think, and this might not be a, a question that you can answer, but like, do you think it's more feeling safe and comfortable in your bed for a long period of time so that you awake from it and you're like, cool, I feel refreshed. Or do you think it's like, not to make the drunk metaphor anymore, but like, but when I, I know that when I'm drunk, if I sleep it off, my, I know my body is going through the motions of being drunk while I am asleep. Yeah. And then I wake up and it's over and I'm like, cool, missed yeah. half of that, but great. I think it's that. And I think also it's about sometimes depression just exhausts you so much that you literally can't do anything. And I think it's okay to accept that mm -hmm. and not feel shame about it. Hmm. When you're like, cool, I'm going to sleep for a really long time. Do you know that when, I guess, is it consistent that when you wake up, it's always different? No. Hmm. It's not always different, but it always feels helpful. Okay. Next tip, go on walks. Getting outside. I mean, like, not to be like... You love a good walk. I, I go on a walk every night, as I've mentioned to you many times. Yep. <laughs> I'm always like, well, it's time for my nightly walk. <laughs> Getting outside mm -hmm. is something that I didn't realize was helpful to me until I was in the hospital. At the end of my time there, I was like, wow, I have not been outside in a long time, and I feel like I'm suffocating. Hmm. And so just like going on a walk outside, even though I walk the same path every night, it's just nice and walking, walking is a form of exercise and it creates a little bit of endorphins and endorphins make you happy and happy people just, just don't, don't kill, kill their husbands. <laughs> they just don't. And then the last tip, which <laughs> just negates the rest of the tips is don't take other people's advice as fact. <laughs> so what do you, what does that mean? Basically, I think... Take in all these tips and any other advice that you get from other people. But if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, and I think I've spent a lot of time in my life being like, well, everyone has told me that I need to take up coloring and coloring doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to do it and tried to do it and been like, it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? When I really could have just been like, oh, it doesn't work for me. What's the next thing? Honestly, with the like adult coloring books, 
I get so stressed. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll do, like, a little portion of it. And I'm like, fuck, I still have, like, hours of work yeah. to do on this one picture. And there are so many pictures. And I get too worked up about it. Yeah. But I think that's right. Especially because everybody's issues are different. They can't all be treated the same way. Yeah. But I think it's knowing that. Yeah. As the podcast has grown, I keep thinking back to when we first made the podcast. And I remember like taping your comforter up to the window with tape so that the sound didn't bounce off the wall. And our Patreon subscribers who we've kind of welcomed into the One More Thing family over the years have been so helpful to the season two that we did and the season three. And postcast. Yeah. And have really helped us grow. And I just wanted to say thank you. And if you're listening to this and you are not a Patreon subscriber, I would like you to consider maybe becoming one. (laughs) It would be really great if every listener donated $1 because you know what that would do? We'd get a bunch of dollars. And, oh, by the way, we also have a PayPal now. Oh, right? So if you want to make a one-time donation, I literally just remembered this as we're recording this ad. If you want to make a one-time donation, which would be so incredibly kind, you can go to paypal.com and just PayPal us at one more thing. The next thing we're going to talk about is how to support a friend with mental health issues, which is something I feel like both of us have done. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting because when I look back at my past friendships, my past friendships as if they've ended, the friendships that I had when I was younger, I've had three friends that I can think of right now who have gone through some sort of mental health crisis issue, whatever it may be. And my initial reaction to every single one of them has been to back off and be like, let me know when you're done. Mm -hmm. And not that I feel like that was the wrong thing to do, but I have since learned that there are healthier and more productive ways of being someone's friend while they're experiencing whatever they're experiencing. Yeah, I Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Let me clarify. When I say back off and let them go through it and then I'll be there on the other side, it was more of, it wasn't so much of a they need space and I acknowledge that. It was a very naive, like, that freaks me out. I don't know what it is. I'll back off and like you do whatever that is. And then let me know when we're back on kind of thing. And now it's like more of a realized version of that, I guess. I think that's not like the worst thing to do. When someone has mental health issues. I mean, I know for me, that's not like what would be best for me. But for some people, like they maybe do just need space. Mm -hmm. And to be just like, hey, I'm going through a really hard time. I'm just, I need you to just like be aware of that and like give me a little bit of space to deal with it. I feel like that's a common thing. Yeah. And I think that it's also like you, if you are the person that is going through it, you have to realize what the other person is capable of doing, which I think comes with communication, which is like what we, I feel like have realized is like the biggest part of our relationship. But like, there have been times where you've reached out to me and been like, I just need three real things. And I'm like, cool, I know. Weirdly enough, I struggle to come up with those three things every (laughs) time because I want them to be good. Yeah. (laughs) Even just like that sense of communication, like lets me know that like cool something's happening I've done my part I know to check in in a few hours and see if like anything else needs to happen and I feel like the only real fights that we've ever been in have been like a one of us is going through something and didn't actually tell the other person yeah definitely and then either things have fallen through or we didn't know about certain things and then we've come out on the other side of it and been pissed and then it's like well those things could have been accomplished if we had just
just said something in the first place. And now I feel like we've come to a place where we understand, A, what those things are. Right. And how to tell the other person what they are. Yeah. And I think that if you take anything from this podcast, it's that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to know how to listen, but also to know how to talk about it. Not to put all of the responsibility on the person with the mental health issue, but I think it's really important to know how to ask for what you need Mm -hmm. and to know how to know what you need. Like for me, like Robert said, sometimes I just need to know three real things because my brain is like short circuiting and I like can't think I've and everything feels like fake and not and like there's a veneer between me and the world. So I'm like, okay, I need everyone I know to just tell me or all of my like close friends to tell me like three things that are irrevocably real. Inevitably, everyone says the same three things. So it, I don't know why I asked for the one person. <laughs> Everyone's always like, you have two cats. Like, yes. Oh, by the way, I got a second cat since the time the last season oh, aired. Oh God. Yeah, that's not great. Um, I will say I like Conrad more than Sia. I know you do. Yeah, I think it's really important to know how to listen and to sort of like, I have trouble with people who don't say exactly what they mean. And so I think it's important to like take people at their word. If someone's like, I need space to be like, you need space. Great. I'll give you space. Or if someone's like, I need to know three real things. It's like, great. You need three real things. I'll give you three real things. And if they don't ask for more than that, knowing how to sort of like casually bring up like, do you need anything else? But not be like, hey, are you fine? Are you okay? What's happening? What's Mm -hmm. going on? You know? Which I feel like I definitely was at the beginning of a lot of everything that you went through. I think it took you going through things for me to realize how to react to certain things and what things are things that happen all the time versus things that happen sometimes and like the severity of certain things where like I know that like if you're going through this, it's fine in like a day and a half, you'll be good. And like I can hold off on everything that I want to talk to you about for that period of time. And then there are other times where there are like clues almost where I'm like, cool, this is something else. And this is, and I have to adjust the way that I'm reacting to it. And it's not something that I had to like sit myself down and like research and force myself to do. It's just something of like, I paid attention and like, that's what I learned, which I feel like is something important to do. If you know someone that's going through those things, what would you say to someone who thinks that they're that someone that they know is going through a hard time but doesn't know it know what i mean like being on the outside of it looking in and being like i know that you're having a hard time but you don't realize that on the outside always looking in (laughs) can i speaking of mental health (laughs) oh that's true i forgot always forget that shows about mental health yeah i mean i think friendships always can do with like a check-in just be like hey what's going on like how are you doing and i think it's super hard if the person doesn't know that they're going through something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not sure how to deal with, but just to be like, especially if they, if it's like someone who's never been like, if it's someone who has had depressive episodes in the past, you can sort of be like, Hey, have you been feeling okay recently? But if it's someone who's like never experienced any sort of like depression and, and you think they might be having some sort of depression situation, I think just being like, Hey, like what's going on with you? How are you doing? Like, how are you feeling? And even if that's kind of weird at first, like really talking to the person, they might be like, yeah, I'm actually not feeling great. Mm -hmm. So going back to season two, we started at this thing called the movie club, which is a term we invented. Mm -hmm. We watched me, him, her with you guys. We watched Carol and call me by your name with you guys. And we talked about these movies. And this season, we would like to bring you our newest movie club. (laughs) It's called Vita and Virginia. It comes out in theaters on August 30th. And we're going to be discussing it on September 2nd. 
so you have the week the first weekend it comes out to go see it you can go to any theater where it's playing and just say hi i'd like a ticket for vita and virginia and then they'll give you a ticket and you'll pay and then you'll go in you'll sit through some previews probably like five or six depending on the theater then you'll see the movie <laughs> then you'll come out of the movie you'll go home you'll wait a couple days and then on monday You'll have a new episode from us about it. There's not really much else to it. <laughs> That's it. So I am on a lot of medications, and I feel like it's important just to say that, to be like, I am on a lot of medications for my mental health, and they help me so much. And I just want to, like, I think medication gets such a bad rap, like in that episode of Black Mirror that we were talking about, in pretty much anything. I feel like there are a lot of movies, especially that we've been watching over the past year, where we've, like, loved it. And then all of a sudden there's a scene where the person, like, decides not to take their medication. Yeah. And then it always betters them in the end. And we were watching something really recently. It was the Black Mirror episode with Ashley O. Oh, right. And where, where she's she... like, I'm not going to take my meds anymore. And it's like, oh. And you okay. were like, your initial reaction was like, this is terrible. And then you were like, actually, hold on. Because it like could manifest into something else. And then it usually then never it, does. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> um, and even things like like Dear Van Hansen and Next to Normal. And like, it's, it, I feel like yeah. it's like across all mediums. That well, I think it's... Next to Normal, the message is like, you should take your meds. Because she flushes her meds and her hallucinations get worse. Oh, does she go back on them? I think at the end she does. Oh, shit. Okay, so then things like Dear Evan Hansen, where you meet the character in the beginning and the show kind of starts with him stop take, where he stops yeah. taking his medication. And then by the end, there's literally a line at the end of the show where she's like, oh, your medication? He's like, I don't really need it anymore. Because like the things that he found through lying um, yeah. <laughs> helped him. <laughs> um, and so it's it's not just in cinema, but like you see it across a lot of stories that are being told right now for some reason. Yeah. I think there's a fear of psychiatric medication and like a distrust of it and a hatred of it that I really think is inappropriate and misguided. And I think it's important just to say to our listeners, like psychiatric medication helps so many people and like some people it doesn't help. And that's true. Some people are not improved by it, but like so many people are Mm -hmm. that I think it's really important to consider it. And I mean, I'm not saying like everyone should be on meds, but I think like if you find out that someone you know is on meds and your initial impulse is like, rethink that impulse. Hmm. Or if someone wants to prescribe you a medication and your initial impulse is like, no thanks, again, reconsider that impulse. Something that keeps popping into my mind is all of these television shows that I've seen. And this has been coming to my mind a couple of times through the episode where there's like the signature mom who has a younger kid and there's always the shot where she like turns to her husband and she's like, what if she's depressed? Yeah. And then talking about this, there are so many episodes of television where the mom is always like, I don't want to medicate my kids. Yeah. Just because they're that XYZ. That in Desperate Housewives. That's literally exactly what I was thinking <laughs> of. And obviously in Desperate Housewives, it becomes a very separate plot. But I feel like medication gets such a weird story. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen I'm trying to rack my brain but like seen like a very casual representation of someone taking medication and it being fine and I feel like any representation of it where they do it's always like they end up being very neutralized and like that's the bad thing and so maybe that's what scares people with medication yeah that's true 
Yeah, I think people think of psychiatric medication as just making you like a f- like a flat robot person, mm-hmm. which is like n- again true for some people maybe. Mm-hmm. But I know for me and like millions of other people, it actually helps me like live my life. Hmm. I think that it's important for us to end on if you are going through anything or you know someone that's going through anything, there are so many source resources for you and so many things to do and look out for. And so I feel like if you, much like when you were talking about the therapy sessions, like if you just look for resources and people that have those resources, it's very tangible and easy to find and that there's no shame in it. Yeah. And I've just pulled up some phone numbers that you can call. There's the Trevor Project. You can call 866-488-7386. There is Pride Counseling, which is an online counseling service for people who are in the LGBTQ plus community. There's something called Crisis Chat, where you can go to crisischat.org if you don't want to call someone. The GLBT hotline is 1-888-843-4564. And then Trans Lifeline is 877-565-8860. Those are my phone numbers. If you've ever wanted Jay's phone number. And my phone number is 312. (laughs) We are super excited for this season. And I know this sort of started out on a heavy note, but we are thankful for you guys for letting us be open and honest about all the things we've been going through. And we hope it helped you. Yep. And we're super pumped for this season and we have so many cool things coming your way. But with that, let's head into our... One more thing. Yeah, what it, I don't know what it is. Robert's gonna tell well, me. Well, we do. There. We do have an announcement to make, which is we have a new member to our family. Yes, that's our one more thing. I I figure we can call him. Oh yeah. Okay, that's fun. <laughs> I think he might be at work right now, but you know what? I don't care. <laughs> so we have a PA now. His name is David Zimmerman. Thank you to everybody that um, applied for our position. So we're gonna call him live and see. I just want to see what he's up to and welcome him to the podcast. Watch him not answer. He doesn't take our calls. (gasps) He's not going to answer. No one ever answers when we call them. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hey, David, it's Jay and Robert. Hi. And all of the people that are listening to this first episode that you just ghosted. We're trying to introduce you to people, and now I guess they're going to have to wait until episode two. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, everybody, this is David. He's been super great (laughs) (laughs) and helpful, and we're really thankful for him and glad to have him on the season four journey with us. Yeah. Okay, bye, David. Our one more thing is always we call people and they don't answer. (laughs) (laughs) Remember the one time where we did the milk milk competition? And we called like 25 people and like one answered. (laughs) We were like, fuck this. (laughs) The fun part about that that we never talked about is after that, I'd say for about two hours, people started calling you back. Yeah. And you were like, never mind. And I was like, not now. Hi, it's Jay while I'm editing. Fun fact, David called back later and we had a great chat and it was really fun and delightful and you guys would have loved it. But unfortunately, I forgot to press record, so it is lost to time. Maybe I'll meet him in a future episode. Who knows? I'm so stupid.
anyway, that's episode one. We have a few announcements before you go, so don't end the podcast yeah. quite yet. As I said before, we have a lot of cool things going on, and I would like to make two announcements. Yes. One, movie club. It's happening again. Deal with it. <laughs> Very aggressive. <laughs> Deal with it. This season's movie club is Vita and Virginia. It is a movie about Virginia Woolf and her relationship with... Vita Sackville-West. Yes, who is being played by... Gemma Arterton. And Virginia Woolf is being played by... Elizabeth Debicki. Who is how tall? Six foot three. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and it's about their romance. And I know that there was a Molly Shannon movie that came out that was... Not about that. No? No. Who was she? You've, every time we talk about this movie, you bring up the Molly Shannon movie. She was Emily Dickinson. Oh. It's literally called Wild Nights with Emily. Were they alive at the same time? No! (laughs) You've also asked that on the podcast. You've asked that on Patreon content. Our Patreons are like, next. Well, it's about their romance, which I actually don't know a lot about. The only Virginia Woolf that I really know is what is in the hours. Yes. Is is this relationship in the hours? No. Is it before or after? During. Oh, wow. So it's just not, like, actively not in the hours. Well, I mean... the hours takes place over one day of her life. What? <laughs> I have to rewatch the hours, apparently. Yeah, the hours all takes place in one day. Oh yeah, I guess the whole thing with the flowers, with yeah, like Meryl that's the, and that's the the plot of Mrs. Dalloway. All takes place over. Oh my one god, day. the hours. Yes. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Looks like next season is going to be the hours. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> it comes out August 30th, and we're going to do our episode on it September 2nd. So you have a little bit of time. Go watch the trailer. Get pumped. We're excited. Second, we're doing something that no one has ever thought of doing before. Yeah, we have invented something. It's called a book club. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with the Jane Fonda movie, <laughs> um, which is getting a sequel. Are you serious? Yeah. <gasps> That's huge. Yeah, really. That's So we're doing a book club, which is something that we sort of did in season two. Yeah. With Imogen Binney and her book, Nevada, which we kind of included into an episode and never really gave you guys the chance to actually read it. So we invite you to read this book with us. It's called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McKiston. Casey McQuiston. By Casey (laughs) McQuiston. Casey (laughs) McQuiston. McQuiston. It's about a fictional world, I guess, or like a parallel universe. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. It's a it's a new adult novel. Yeah. About the first son of the United States falling, who's closeted, falling in love with the closeted Prince of England. Yes. Um, and if that doesn't turn you onto the book, nothing will. <laughs> like that's what the book is, and it's one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. So. <laughs> Um, so read that. We'll be talking about it in August. Yes. So you have a little bit of time. You have all month and we'll be back to you in August with that. You can find it at all bookstores right now. It's a hot ticket. It's one of the New York Times bestsellers. It is. Get with it. So just a reminder before we wrap up that you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at One More Thing. On Facebook at One More Thing Podcast. We don't really use our Facebook page. You can become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash one more thing. You can Venmo us at Hey Junt and Robert E. Ack, respectively. Yep. <laughs> you can PayPal us at One More Thing, and you can Letterboxd us at One More Thing. Oh, I yeah. gotta update the Letterbox. If you don't know what Letterboxd is, it's essentially a Rotten Tomatoes, but like you have a profile and you can I'm review update it today. movies. Yeah. We have so many movies to update it with. Yeah. I was depressed, so I couldn't. Full circle. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'll see you later this week for Posecast. Yes, on Thursday. And we'll see 
see you next week for another One More Thing. Yeah. Oh, and thank you to David. Yep. Thank you to David and thank you to Abby Davis for all of this new artwork. Yes. Uh, for One More Thing in Postcast. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh, I burped. <laughs> Not. Sorry, I'm just burping of a storm. <laughs> Shouldn't have had that rice. Um, uh, so next. I had to burp again. <laughs> just burped again. I don't know how to put it, but like. Hold on, I have to burp. Casey. Oh, I just had to burp again. <laughs>